0: So if I'm a criminal and I, and I jump bail and I have to choose between having the cops bring me in for trial or a bounty hunter, I definitely want to put that job in the hands of the police.
1: Bounty hunters are much more likely to get their man. I, I like to say that the bounty hunters are the true long arm of the law.
0: I know what you're thinking. Bounty hunters? Those motorcycle vigilantes? Their glam rock hair and their big biceps and tattoos, those are the guys who have a higher capture rate than the police? Not exactly, says Alex Tabarrok. He's an economist at George Mason University and co-author of a paper that looks at the commercial bail bond industry.
1: So after we'd published uh, this article, some of the bounty hunters actually got in touch with me. And, uh, and I said, hey, you know, maybe we should, maybe I should uh, uh, be a little bit of a roguish uh, kind of character. And I asked if I could go out with them actually on the streets and actually learn uh, outside of my office what bounty hunting was all about.
0: Tabarrok went off with a bounty hunter named Dennis in Baltimore.
1: He learned that bounty
0: hunting is all about business. No high speed chases, no gun battles. As Dennis made clear, you don't want to rough up the fugitives or their families because,
1: well, here... Tabrock will tell you the bounty hunters. They're very polite. Yeah, you know, these guys. They're not breaking down doors at all. And um, I asked, you know, I asked Dennis why this is, and he says it's because we do rely a lot on repeat business. You know, he tells me about uh, one of his customers who told him quite proudly that uh, we've been coming to this firm for three generations. You know, just, just awful, really.
2: From APM American Public Media and WNYC, this is Freakonomics Radio. Today, to catch a fugitive, who's better, police or bounty hunters? Here's your host, Stephen Dubner.
0: You may have heard recently about the uh, trouble caused by a certain well-heeled gentleman who used to run the International Monetary Fund. Dominique Strauss-Kahn, a Frenchman allegedly committed a sexual assault against a housekeeper in his Manhattan hotel and, shortly afterward, boarded a flight home to France. But the police plucked him off the plane and arrested him. He's since been charged and now awaits trial. But he's not in jail. Instead, he's out on bail, a $1 million cash payment and a $5 million bond. That money is meant to guarantee that Strauss-Kahn will show up at his trial. And it's hard to imagine that he could flee. under court-ordered 24-hour surveillance. But if he did somehow manage to scram, we're talking bounty hunter bingo, baby. Here's how commercial bail bonds work. Let's say you're arrested for a crime and the judge releases you on a $5,000 bail. Now, you don't have the money, so you go to your local bail bondsman. You fill out an application that asks for all kinds of information. Your previous arrests, your employer, union membership, make it a model of your car, even your kids' names and where they go to school. Now, the bondsman agrees to pay the court that $5,000 in return for a 10% fee. So you pay him $500 and you sign a contract promising to show up in court. Now, if you're a no-show on your court date, it's the bondsman's $5,000 that's at risk. The judge gives him 90 days to find you. And that's when your bondsman picks up the phone, calls a bounty hunter. Under current law, bounty hunters have a lot of latitude. They can break into a fugitive's home without a warrant. They can chase suspects across state lines without worrying about extradition proceedings. They can search and seize without constraint. Now, there are some limits. Bounty hunters can't use unnecessary force. And they're liable if they break into the wrong home. But for some people, that's not nearly enough. Four states, Wisconsin, Oregon, Illinois, and Kentucky, have banned commercial bail bonds. And the U.S. is, in fact, one of only two countries in the world that allow this system. The other is the Philippines. One former Supreme Court justice called the bail bond industry odorous. But Alex Tabarrok, the economist, he doesn't see it that way especially if you look at the economics of the criminal justice system.
1: Yeah, I was shocked uh, when I first saw this uh, data. Um, 25% of defendants, felony defendants, simply failed to show up on the day of their trial. It was a huge number. I was was flabbergasted. Uh, So this means that The judge's time is wasted, the lawyer's time is wasted, the prosecutor's time is wasted, the police, they have to go out and uh, try and recapture this guy. It's a big cost to the criminal justice system. And moreover, justice delayed is justice denied. If people can repeatedly flaunt the justice system by failing to show up and extend uh, the time, which means that, Witnesses become harder to find. Uh, the more time it takes to get to the trial, people get, get, evidence gets lost, uh, paperwork gets lost, things get shuffled around, uh, witnesses disappear, you know, they move, whatever. Uh, this really is a cost to the legal system. Tabarrok and a
0: colleague, Eric Helland, analyzed data on 36,000 felony defendants in the U.S.
1: And we thought it would be interesting to see whether people who are released on commercial bail, whether they're more likely to show up, um, and if they flee, are they more likely to be recaptured? Because if you're out on commercial bail and you flee, it's the bail bondsman who's out the money. The bail bondsman has put up the five, your $5,000 uh, bail, and if you don't show up, he loses the $5,000. Uh, so this is a classic case of incentives. Do incentives work? Uh, do the bail bondsmen uh, have the right incentives to go after these guys with the bounty hunters? That's where the bounty hunters come in and bring them back to justice. Tabarrok found that people who are released on commercial bail
0: who know that a bounty hunter will be after them if they skip court, that they're substantially more likely to show up than someone who's released on his own recognizance or on government bail. In that case, you typically pay a deposit of just a few hundred dollars. But fugitives behave differently when they know a bounty hunter may be after them. And it's not only the bounty hunter they're worried
1: about. The way a lot of this works is they get somebody to co-sign on the bond, a family member or a friend to co-sign on the bond. So this means that if the defendant skips town, that not only is the bail bondsman out, but potentially so is the friend who is co-signed on the bond or the family member who is co-signed on the bond. And I asked again Dennis about this. And he says, uh, I deal with a lot of mean people in my business uh these guys they're not afraid of me they're not afraid of the police but they're still afraid of their mother (laughs) so if i get the mother to co-sign on the bond and this guy knows that the mother might lose her house if he doesn't show up for trial he's going to show up for trial so
0: the fugitives have an incentive to not run away but if they do the bounty hunters really have an incentive unlike a police officer who's on salary a bounty hunter only gets paid if he brings a fugitive in. And the data prove it. Tabarrok found that bounty hunters are 50% more likely than the police to get their man. Wow. So if I'm a taxpayer, which I happen to be, then I have to be thinking, wow, so we've got a system of law and order. We try to find the bad guys. We uh, give them their day their day in court. But while they're uh, waiting for that day in court, they're often um, out on bail, free to free to roam around. Um, and then if I, as a taxpayer, uh, want to make sure that my dollars are well spent and that the bad guys are being brought back in for trial, I like, the private, I like the private industry take on this more than the government take on this a lot, don't I?
1: Yeah, you really do because not only do the bail bondsmen work at no taxpayer expense, um, it, it, there's a little bit of a justice involved in that the guys who flee – They're paying their own pursuers. I kind of like that. It's uh, from uh, these defendants themselves, (laughs) Uh the money comes for the bounty hunters to go after them. And it's even a little bit better than that because the bounty hunters, they're good, but they don't always get their man. You know, sometimes the guy flees town and the bounty hunters, the bail bondsmen, they usually have about 90 to 180 days. So the judge says, if this guy, you've put up the bounty hunter has put up $5,000 of bail, and the judge says, this guy hasn't showed up. He tells the bail bondsman, you've got 90 to 180 days, it varies by state, to bring this guy to justice. If you don't bring him to justice within that period of time, that bail is forfeit. So when that bail is forfeit, that actually goes uh, to the taxpayer. So the taxpayer can actually make some money. <laughs> Um, And this is not a huge chunk of change, but it's uh, millions of dollars um, in uh, different states. And at the federal level, uh, forfeit bonds actually go to a a crime victim fund. Uh, So that's kind of a nice – also a nice piece of justice to this, I think. Coming up,
0: the man who wrote the book on bounty hunting. By 85, Robert
2: De Niro's manager saw the book, bought it – and then made the movie Midnight Run based on the book.
0: Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Redfin. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. That's why Amica takes a consultative approach to help protect what matters most to you. They are a customer-owned insurance company that puts your needs first, and their representatives are available 24-7 for claim-related matters. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, package list, and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and over 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business Absolutely, positively, FedEx.
2: From WNYC and APM, American Public Media, this is Freakonomics Radio. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. I don't know what you're up to, but I'm working. Oh, working? Me too. I heard you got kicked off the force.
1: What I do is I hunt down idiots who jump bail.
2: You are a bounty hunter.
1: Yep. (laughs) As much as it pains me to say this, I got to take you to jail.
2: (laughs) Well, all right. My name is Bob Burton. I'm in California. I run a large organization composed of bounty hunters. Uh, We operate throughout the United States, coast to coast, border to border. We made over 30,000 arrests last year of individuals who failed to live up to the bail bond contract.
0: Bob Burton runs the United States Coalition of Bail Recovery Agents, or U.S. COBRA, based in Santa Barbara. It's a network of about 1,500 bounty hunters, or bail enforcement agents, as he calls them.
2: Also, 400 of my agents are women, because women make very good bounty huntresses. There's an old saying that God created men and women but Samuel Colt made us equal.
0: <laughs> Burton's been doing this for quite a while.
2: Well, my career as a bounty hunter began when I was an insurance broker in California in the late early early 80s. A friend of mine, Bob Brown, started a magazine called Soldier of Fortune Magazine. Oh yeah. Out of Boulder, Colorado. Uh, We were buddies, and he asked me to go down to El Salvador to cover the war, which was starting down there. I was saturated with a need for adrenaline, (laughs) like I had never (laughs) felt before. Uh, The adrenaline of the war, dealing with Green Berets, enemy, incoming fire, beautiful women in the city, a rogue scoundrel, newsmen from all over the world. I couldn't be an insurance broker anymore, so I went into bounty hunting. (laughs) And my luck was that uh, uh, I knew some bounty hunters. They took me into the business and taught me, and I, I wanted a book. I could not find any book, so it turned out I wrote the book Bounty Hunter, which turned out to be the first book ever written on the subject, unbeknownst to me. And then one step further, by 85, Robert De Niro's manager saw the book, bought it, and then made the movie Midnight Run based on the book. Let's go. Wait,
0: wait it's, it's, it's a freight train. I
2: can't do this. I can't do this.
0: Now, Bob, there are some academics who've studied the data on inmates who jump bail to see whether bounty hunters are more efficient, more effective at bringing them in than police, have found that the answer is yes. I'm guessing this finding doesn't really surprise you too much, does it?
2: It doesn't because, frankly, we know we capture about 94 to 96% of everybody that jumps bail.
0: Actually, a Department of Justice report says that bounty hunters capture 97% of the fugitives they pursue. 97%.
2: The NYPD, the LAPD, and the Chicago PD fugitive details arrest about 50 to 60% of all wanted individuals. Why? They only work a 40-hour week. They get
0: paid regardless. Now, it's not that the police are slacking off. It's just, as Burton points out, that the police and bounty hunters have different incentives and different duties. The police have other cases to pursue, other jobs to do. Sometimes the police and a bounty hunter will be going after the same fugitive which can lead to friction.
2: Yeah, the police have a a, a 50-50 love-hate relationship with us because we are doing what they do. We get paid more for one arrest than they might make all week. We're rivals with the detective division of that man's area. Uh, For instance, every time we pop someone in New York City, the NYPD's detective division, on one hand, okay, one less case, but on the other hand, why the hell those bounty hunters get to him before we did?
0: A bounty hunter's salary can vary greatly depending on a lot of factors, especially, of course, the size of the bond. Burton says a typical bounty hunter earns between $48,000 and $65,000 a year, which is pretty much in line with a police officer's salary. Bounty hunters do have to pay for their own equipment, though. Well, when you come into the business,
2: first thing you got to do is buy a good $35, $40 pair of handcuffs. Then you got to buy a, a pistol, if you don't already have one, 350 to $500. Uh, you should have a four-door car, ideally a van, where you can transport the prisoner from New York to New Orleans because prisoners flee. When they flee, the bondsman's going to call a bounty hunter in the area, the targeted area that he's fleeing to. Like New York agents get calls all the time from Miami, New Orleans... Texas you
1: name
2: it the are on the
0: run. dog the bounty hunter is on tv I, i'm guessing that if people watch that show and they come away with an impression of how a bounty hunter acts in his daily business i'm guessing that's maybe a tiny bit exaggerated the bounty hunter.
2: <laughs> can you help me out there it's grossly exaggerated. First of all, no one in the industry acts or rather looks like that. We're dealing with cops, judges, district attorneys. We can't look the way he looks. Forget
0: the long hair. You stand out, and it's,
2: it's pure television nonsense the way he looks.
0: And in addition to the look, though, talk to me about what the work of a bounty hunter is actually like on a daily basis. What, what do you have to do, and what do you have to do well to be a good bounty hunter?
2: A bounty, hunter, a bounty hunter worker has 97% boredom, 3% uh, adrenaline. It's sitting in cars, working on the telephone, calling people, trying to find an answer where he would be. You have to be good on the phone as a bounty hunter. You must have phone skills. You must have an ability to talk to, to street swine and, and district attorneys and attorneys. The bottom, and the bottom line is we look for the fugitive and the Judas. Everybody has a Judas in, your, in their life. An ex-girlfriend might betray him because he ran off with someone else. A rival crack dealer will betray him because he wants that guy out of the system and he's,
0: because he's competition. There's always someone that will betray you. Now, Bob, just between you and me, <laughs> if I was a bounty hunter looking for you, who's your Judas?
2: Good question. There's probably 15 surfer chicks here at the beach in Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Just 15? A guy
0: like you I'm surprised well, see, it's my,
2: only 15. See, see, in my business, AARP means an American ready to party. Okay. <laughs> we have, I mean, one of the oldest bounty hunters in the United States lives back east, and he has to be 79 or 80. And how uh, old are you, Bob? Huh? How old are you, Bob? I'm 72. I look 41, of course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Especially on the radio.
2: Freakonomics Radio is produced by WNYC, APM American Public Media, and Dubner Productions. Our producers include Susie Lechtenberg, Chris Neary, Diana Wynn, and Colin Campbell. This episode was mixed by Dylan Keith. You can subscribe to a podcast of this program and read more Freakonomics at Freakonomics.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more.